the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. You have a money question for the show? Love your emails especially the ones that I'm getting around from all over the place, Virginia, Michigan, anybody listening to the podcast that's not in the Bay Area, love to hear from you. Just drop me an email. Even if you don't have a question, just say, hey, listen to the podcast. Appreciate it. Uh, you can shoot me an email, chat at chatburn.com. Lots of emails regarding the flow charts that I've been talking about on the air that we have. And these are flow charts that help you determine what type of retirement account to fund before tax season is over. So we have until April 15th to file. Now you can file an extension on your tax return and push stuff off to October if you want to. Still doesn't make it so you avoid penalties and interest if you owe. But your deadline for funding any type of an IRA account, an IRA or Roth IRA is April 15th. Or when you file a return, if you're going to file sooner than that. And so people are wondering what else they can do for 2020 in many cases. And so I've lots of emails regarding this. So can you fund a Roth IRA? If you make too much money, you start to be phased out of being able to fund a Roth IRA. So I have a flow chart that helps you determine, are you single? Are you married? How much is your modified adjusted gross income? Which you need to know what that means. It's a little different than AGI. It's modified adjusted gross income. And... If, whether or not you're eligible to directly fund a Roth IRA for you and or your spouse. And if the flowchart tells you, no, you can't fund a Roth because you make too much money, you can do the follow-up flowchart that says, can I fund a backdoor Roth IRA? Where you make a non-deductible contribution to an IRA and then convert it to a Roth. But if you have other IRAs, that can be taxable. And it goes you through this whole process of getting yourself ready so that you can do that. Um, even talks about, hey, if you have an IRA and you want to be doing the backdoor Roth, you could roll that to possibly into your employer's 401k. So anyways, email me if you want these flowcharts. I got the 2020 version ready for you because that's what you're, we're running off of is 2020 tax year, even though it's February 2021. And then after April 15th, we'll post online the flowcharts for 2021. All right. Another download that you can get if you go to chadburton.com and search around a little bit for it, because since the uh, merger with EP Wealth, so New Focus Financial is now EP Wealth, um, we're kind of rebranding some of our old downloads. So one of the popular ones has always been 15 things to do before you hire a financial advisor. 
And I want to talk about this again because I have not seen day trading and hobby trading at this level since 1999. I mean, people that you run into that you would have never thought would have been interested in stocks or anything else are sitting there buying Bitcoin. They're buying IPOs. They're trading options on a Robinhood app. There's some good and some bad. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bad that the fear that I talked to you guys about when everybody that even people I hadn't talked to since junior high were asking me about GameStop. And my biggest fear was that people would get in to the party late and all the booze would be gone. That's what it feels like, right? You, you, people that got into the GameStop thing way too late, they bought at the highs and they got hit with 90% declines. And, and that's sad. I just... And those people that already didn't tr- trust Wall Street because they saw their parents lost their lose their home in in uh, the Great Recession, and and they think it's a Wall Street issue, it's not. A lot of the issue has to do with with yourself and not building the proper financial base before you get into things like speculation. And I love these apps. I love Acorns. I use it myself. It's a rounding up app where it forces you to save money into a basic portfolios of ETFs. And I mean, it's it's so much... It's almost free to be able to invest these days. It's really, really nice. There's robo-advisors out there for people that don't have enough money to hire a certified financial planner fee-only advisor like, like EP Wealth. We typically have a half a million dollar account minimum that I'll talk about. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because I'm seeing people that... Well, literally, they'll buy an IPO or they'll do an iron condor uh, option spread on their Robinhood app. And they don't even put enough money into their 401k to get the match. That's free money. They don't fund a Roth IRA. That's money that's going to grow tax-free for the rest of your lives. The stock market's going to take care of you over time. It's positive 70% of the time, negative 30% of the time. It's averaged over 10% over the last you know 100 plus years. And yeah, you got big corrections, but that's when you go shopping for stocks and ETFs is when there's a giant correction because that's the buying opportunity of the next decade. Unfortunately, people are thinking the buying opportunity for the next decade is speculation, speculation, speculation right now. So seeing people buy Bitcoin and IPOs, things like that, when they don't even have an emergency reserve, let alone not even putting enough money into the 401k to get the free match, because a lot of 401k funds make you put 4 to 6% in before you'll get the 4 to 6% match. That's free money. That's how people get wealthy over time is systematically saving. In the 26 years that I've been doing this, this is, this is where I see wealth created. It is number one, diligent savers. That's the biggest one that I've seen. People that have, since they started working, they had parents that taught them really well, always pay yourself first and they save 10 to 20% of pay every, every paycheck that they've had since they were 18 years old. And they didn't waste money on brand new cars all the time and swapping houses, spouses and cars every two or three years. They diligently saved and built a ton of wealth. That's the number one. Number two, business owners that create an enterprise. That's a big one. And now I'm not talking about a business owner where you're working for somebody else and all of a sudden I think I can do this job better and then you create a uh, company and all of a sudden you're the employee and the business owner and the CFO and the CEO and the CTO and all of a sudden you're just working harder for the same net pay. I'm talking about people that create a business 
And then they realize that they need to hire people that are smarter than them and they eventually can step away. And they've done such a good job creating that business that it's running itself. And they just kick back and take the positive cash flow. And then another one is positive cash flow real estate, not flippers, not people that flip houses constantly. Because when we go through real estate markets, I see people build a bunch of wealth inside real estate as they flip and they flip and they flip and they flip. And then all of a sudden there's a big correction. They really didn't diversify their savings into stocks or anything else, nor did they keep positive cash flow real estate because it's hard to find good positive cash flow real estate right now. But people that just go on and they, they say, okay, I'm going to put 20, 30% down. And even after all my costs, I'm going to have positive cash flow. Somebody else is going to pay off this mortgage for me. And they keep it for a long time. That's another one. It's positive cash flow real estate. And then obviously there's those that inherit money and those that happen to you know, work for a company that has a big exit and things like that. So there's, there's those types of wealth as well. But the number one is diligent savers, people that continue to invest. And they don't even look for like the number one stock all the time. It's people that just invest in the S&P 500. Look at Warren Buffett. Look at all of these people that say, okay, most people are just fine investing in index funds. Now, I wouldn't just invest in the S&P 500. I want the Russell, that's small and mid-cap. I want international, developed. I'm not excited about that as I am about emerging markets over the next five years, but I want it all. And it doesn't even matter what the individual stock is. It's like individual stock selection is pales in comparison to just having asset allocation and continuing to invest. I've never, ever met somebody that's super wealthy from day trading. I, I see pockets of wealth being created and then sometimes it just disappears. Now, can you make a living? Yeah, I, I also know people that they retire early and they spend 10 hours a day doing their option strategies and creating some income off their portfolios. It's not very tax efficient, but it's, it is out there and you have to really, really love to do it. Uh, I don't mind speculation. I have lots of clients where we manage the majority of their wealth, but they have this account set up at Schwab or TD or Fidelity or wherever where they do do some trading. Heck, I got one client, 72 years old. She killed it on Apple and Tesla options last year. Now she's a little annoyed with the taxes because they're all short-term taxes, ordinary income. All right, so today I was talking about... I want to go back to the beginning because with all of this hype on on Reddit and GameStop and and Robinhood and everything else, um, I've seen a lot of interesting things. I mean, you you see people that were outside of um, Robinhood headquarters... A guy that put, he, he was a professional gambler and he put his money that he needed to pay rent and other things like that into stock through the Robinhood app. And then Robinhood shut down trading. You couldn't access his money and he needed it to pay bills and things like that. And it just blows my mind. Like, how do we get to this point where normal, just index funds and things like that seem bad to? certain parts of the population, but speculation on companies that don't even have profits or they're just recently IPOing or buying cryptocurrency, which is here to say it's the, the, you know, it's part of our future digital currencies and blockchain is amazing. I really love the technology, but for it to continue to go up, there has to be more and more hype and other people willing to buy a Bitcoin for more than you, right? And versus looking at a stock and saying, oh, wow, that's trading at a reasonable price to earnings, reasonable price to sales, reasonable price to book. They're making a profit. They have a nice dividend that they're growing by 10% plus a year. Payout ratio is under 50%. This is a great company. I'm going to hold it for the long term and have passive income from all the dividends and it's going to grow. And, but they're just skipping over that. And not building a financial base and they're going straight to the world of speculation where it's either you're going to hit a home run or lose it all. And that's not a way to build a financial base. It's not a way to build wealth. 
in the long run. It's a way to kind of get high off the euphoria of a stock going through the roof for a period of time. Now, when I'm talking about this, I'm not trying to call a market top here. Uh, stealing something from Barry Ritholtz that I heard this morning on Bloomberg, it's it's really hard to act on a market bottom when you had a decline in March, February, and stuff like that, or or whether it's any of the past ones. Most investors have a really tough time putting money to work at the bottom because it feels like it's just going to continue to go, and like all of a sudden the economy is going to go into to zero, and we're all going into depression. So a lot of people just can't act on it. Or try to tell, especially younger people, market falls twenty percent. It could fall more, yeah, but that's still your buying opportunity the next decade. So put if, if your extra cash, put half in now and half if it falls more, or half again in a couple of months just to get it to work. We spend seventy percent of our lives at a market all time high because the stock market's positive seventy percent of the time. So seventy percent of the time, you're going to feel like the market's too high. Get used to it. So it's hard to act on market bottoms, but it's really easy to call a false market top and act on it. That's what I heard today, Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg, and that was actually pretty pretty wise. It's really easy to look at this and say, it's continued to go up for no reason. We got a virus and all this other stuff, but I could argue both sides of that all day long. We have a massive amount of stimulus flowing into the economy. There's a ton of cash on the sidelines. This lockdown created a bigger wealth gap, unfortunately. So the people that couldn't afford to do a lockdown and didn't have the luxury of extra cash and savings and the ability to work at home, that was a luxury for people that had assets and were in the world of tech and could work at home. It was a crushing blow to those living paycheck to paycheck. And that's sad. It just, it just, it's awful. So it did not work out the way that we did this. That's for sure. Um, so anyways, I'm kind of jumping off course here, but the idea that we need to make sure that people build a financial base before they go out and run and do speculation is, is key. Now we at EP wealth have an account minimum of a half a million dollars that we need to be able to take on and do the work that we do for a client because we charge an annual fee based on the account value. Uh, so let's say it's, if the, if the fee was 1%, you're billing one quarter of that at the end of each quarter based on the account value. So fee goes up or the account goes up, the fee goes up, the account goes down, the fee goes down right along with it. Fee only fiduciary investment manager, retirement planning. We look at the estate plan. We look at the taxes, insurance, we give advice on it all. We just don't sell any commission-based products. Now, what does it mean to get to that account minimum? So a typical client that would have a half a million or more, they would have a taxable account, or if they're married, a joint or a trust account. Um, and it can be a TD, Schwab, Fidelity, or whatever. We can move it if it's not there. Um, but it could be a minimum. So it doesn't have to be one account that meets that. It would be a combination of accounts. So a taxable joint or trust account. Then you'd add in a IRA and then a Roth IRA. And if you have a 401k that's managed by Fidelity or Schwab or TD Ameritrade, and inside the 401k, you have a brokerage link account where we can move the money into the brokerage link and manage your 401k for you there. That can all add up. So as long as the combination adds to half a million, then we can accept the person as a client or the, or the family. But as, as you guys know, they've been listening for a long time, since 1999, when Rob and I have been doing radio together. We're dedicated to helping people build wealth and get to the point. We have clients, just, just the other day, we had another one that said, hey, I've been listening to you for 15 years, listening, telling, doing what you say to do, and I finally meet your account minimum. Can we meet? And you bet. Here's a Zoom link. Let's do this. 
And I love those stories because they've listened for a long period of time and they listen to what we're talking about and they save and they save. And, and part of the reason why we say that is, is that to do these steps that I'm going to talk about, it helps you learn about money. It helps you do the right thing so that you can hire the right person. Because if you don't know anything, then you're going to end up hiring a financial advisor that actually ends up being an insurance agent. And they're selling you annuities. They're selling you life insurance as an investment. And it's a bunch of crap. And you've got all of a sudden stuck in all these high fee products that sounded great when you bought it and you realize that they're not going anywhere. And the only person that's winning is the insurance agent that sold you a bunch of commission-based products. One of the first things that you want to do is obviously track your spending and implement a budget. And in this download, 15 Things to Do Before You Hire a Financial Advisor, what it says is it can be as simple as keeping tabs on your expenses every day, every week, or every month. If you know what you're spending, you can better understand on how to save. So I can clearly look at my expense report and say, oh, I could probably retire five years earlier if I stopped going out to eat so much. That, that's, that's very clear. Um, it's, it's not something that you want to hire a financial advisor to do your budget for you. That's just you not sitting down with a spreadsheet or looking at your annual credit card statement, using some of the free services like mint.com to link your credit cards and everything else so you can start tracking your budget. Because you can't really even create a retirement plan unless you can say, okay, here's what I'm spending now. These are the things that are going to go away in retirement. And this is what I want my retirement to look like. I want to travel more. I want to volunteer more. I want to take up a new hobby. I want to learn a language. How much is that all going to cost? So you can't run any of your numbers for retirement unless you've tracked your spending. Now, sometimes we can work backwards for people when we run into families that, you know, they've, they've just kind of diligently saved and they've been building all this wealth and they've saved you know, 15 to 20% of their pay and they get to the point where, okay, now we really need to get serious about retirement, but we don't really track our spending. We just know we max our 401ks, our Ross, and we have a certain amount of money left over that we keep saving at the end of the month, I can work backwards and create a basic level. But before you retire, you want to get this detailed. So track your spending, implement a budget. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all free pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. All right. Um, so we're going over the 15 things to do. And what brings this up again is that this speculation and day trading that I've seen going on right now reminds me so much of 1999. Now, the market doesn't remind me of 1999 because... The NASDAQ was very full of tech stocks that were drastically overvalued and full of companies that didn't even have revenue. Um, well, it's not necessarily true about the NASDAQ itself, but the stock market where there's so many IPOs coming out of dot-com companies that didn't even have revenue and people were just buying them hand over fist. It was the new economy. And Rob Black and I in our younger days, this was you know back in 1999, we're going to this cocktail party and... The host, she was like, oh, um, yeah, I just I waited in line last night to get the software. This is when you used to have to buy CDs and things like that for software. And she really hadn't saved any money up yet. 
and she didn't even put money into her 401k, but she paid $3,500 for this trading software that was red light, green light oriented. So if the, the, the light goes green, you buy the stock. If the light goes red, you sell the stock. And she, that's the kind of speculation we had. She paid $3,500 on a credit card for this company. And then I saw stuff like that being sold at like Tony Robbins seminars and other things like that. It was just ugh, good cringe. And Rob and I looked at each other and like, this runs over. Sure enough, that was three years in a row of negative returns. The first time the stock market was negative three years in a row since right after the Great Depression, back in the 30s and early 40s. Now, I'm not calling a market top right now. It's a different period in time, but the speculation is just reminding me of it. So number one, track your spending and, and saving to implement a budget. The second thing to do before you need to find a higher financial advisor is know your savings goals and invest in yourself. If you didn't start saving 10% of your pay in your 20s, you're behind. Because, and that's assuming to be on track for retirement these days, because Social Security is not going to be there for you like it was for your parents or your grandparents. That assumes you're getting a match of four or 5% from your employer. So now people in their 20s should make sure that between their match and their employer, or their contribution and their employer match, that they're at least 15% of pay. You should have a year's worth of savings. Like if you're making, 80 grand a year as a 30-year-old, you should have at least $80,000 saved up in your 401k. You're way behind if you don't. If you wait to start saving in your 30s, you got to target 15% of pay. If you wait to start saving in your 40s, you got to target 20% of pay. Most people in their 40s that have kids and things like that can't afford to save 20% of pay, especially if they're trying to buy a home in the Bay Area or in Portland, Oregon now, for that matter. So you need to start saving early. The biggest mistake is waiting to save. All right. So the problem is, is that I see people that I know make less than I do drive better cars. They have more toys, some cases a bigger house, and they're putting more money into their car payment than their 401k. That's backwards. That's wrong. If you're 20 or 30 years old and you're doing that, you're being an idiot. And then you're going to complain to everybody else that the government didn't take care of you when it comes to retirement. Okay, well, you drove a BMW and you went through Starbucks every morning and you paid for that latte. That's your fault you didn't save. Now we got to be your backstop. Stop being an idiot. So you have to start saving money. Get that free match in the 401k, people. That is free money. Free, 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 free money. That's how you build wealth is get that free money in there. <laughs> Which does remind me of the Instagram download the cash app, get 750 bucks scam that I see going on all the time out there. Uh, number three is build an emergency reserve. All right. You've got to have at least six to 12 months worth of expenses on the sidelines at all times, at all times. And this is extremely important. If you switch jobs a lot, if you're in sales, a lot of tech sales, a lot of people jump around every two years to three years or so. And then sometimes when they jump to a new job, and then there's a recession, they're the first ones to get laid off. And, and that's kind of in that tech sales area where I've saw some of the longest people out of work during recessions. So if you jump jobs a lot, like tech sales and things like that, you, you might have 12 months of household expenses. So you got to kind of calculate, how do I keep my mortgage going, food on the table, lights, utilities, all that stuff, six to 12 months worth of that. And you can just keep it in a, just don't keep it in your normal bank account. Go to Capital One 360 or Ally or something like that. It's tied to your checking account, but at least earns a little bit of interest. And it's away from you looking at it and spending it on these impulse purchases. All right. 
Now, should you ever invest your emergency reserves? You could if you have two years worth of emergency reserves right now. You know, you could consider putting that into a balanced portfolio. The problem is, is that when you usually need your emergency reserve, it's usually during a correction and a recession. So when there's a recession, there's oftentimes a 20% pullback in the stock market. So stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever it may be, they're going to be your friend over the long run as long as you're not forced to sell. And when there's a correction and you have your money invested in stocks and that's when you're forced to sell to put food on the table, that's when you turn paper losses into real losses. So the only time I let say, yeah, go ahead and invest your emergency reserves is when people have twice as much as they need. And then they could go into like a balanced portfolio and a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. And there's ETFs that are balanced out there. Exchange traded fund is an ETF. It's like a mutual fund that trades like a stock. So look at ETFs. You got to build an emergency reserve. Um, so if you switch jobs a lot, or if you're into activities like wakeboarding, motocross, extreme snowboarding, skiing, just naming all the stuff off that I like to do, um, you've got to complete this, this step, this emergency reserve and number five. And, uh, that's protecting your biggest asset and that's your ability to earn money. Right. So let's go to number four right now. So the first one is you're, you're knowing your savings goals or you're tracking your spending. The second one is knowing your savings goals and investing in yourself. If, if you're late in the game, the thing that people are doing right now is that they hadn't been, they have not been diligently saving in their 401k and Roth IRAs. They're going to this world of speculation to catch up. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, this Reddit user is, is of the people. They're, they're trying to crush Wall Street and I'm going to get on board. Well, guess what? They know how to rally people based on fear or greed. Look at these last elections. It's all been based on hatred. And, and right now it's like hatred of Wall Street. So we're going to attack Wall Street and they get you to pump your money into it, pump up whatever stock they want you to buy. And then they're out, guys. They're leaving you with the... It's the new pump and dump strategy. It's all being done on social media and Reddit. So be very careful of this stuff. You got to build this base first. Um, and so rather than going, if you're late in the game and you haven't been saving, don't try to go into the world of speculation. Maybe you invest in yourself first. Maybe you say, I can't afford to save 15% alone of pay, let alone 10%. Maybe investing is not the next best step for you. Maybe you need to re-educate yourself. Say, you know what? I'm going to give up some things for the next two or three years to go finish my degree or get retrained and do something else so I can make more money, so I can save more money. Invest in yourself. So that's part of number three, which is building that emergency reserve. Number four, if a match is offered by your employer, invest enough in your 401k to get the match. That is so important. So many people, younger people that I run into, are not putting enough money in their 401k to get that free money. All right? You have to do that. And younger people, look at the Roth side of the 401k where you give up the tax deduction. It goes, it goes in after tax, but it grows tax-free for the rest of your lives. Check that out and you'll still get the 401k match in many cases. Um, all right, pay off non-mortgage debt. This is another big one. I hate debt. I like mortgage debt for younger people. I think it's great. If, if you get a mortgage that's very comfortable in terms of your income, that's typically 30% or less of your 
your, your gross income. That's a comfortable mortgage payment. Put enough money into your 401k to get the match and then focus on getting rid of all other debt, whether it's your auto, your boat, your snowmobile, things like that. Again, I'm just rattling off all my favorite stuff, right? Boats, snowmobiles, things like that. So um, you've got to get rid of that debt. As soon as that debt's gone, you have way more positive cash flow. And then you can take that money and start going back into your 401k, max that out, do the Roth IRAs, things like that. Get rid of that non-mortgage debt. It's so bad. Especially if you go through a recession, get laid off, and all of a sudden your credit gets ruined and then you can't buy stuff going forward. That's the number six too, is, is assess, improve, and monitor your credit. There's annualcreditreport.com. There's apps like Credit Karma, K-A-R-M-A, or K-A-R-M-A, yeah, Credit Karma. Um, so you should be really monitoring that. You can get a free report at annualcreditreport.com each year to see what's under your name. That's not necessarily your score. Um, so between that and also considering some ID theft insurance so that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you have your ID compromised these days. You've got to keep your credit high because if you go, all of a sudden you're building these financial goals, right? And you're, you're putting enough money into the 401k to get the match. You've you got your emergency reserve saved up and you've got extra emergency reserves. So you start saving for that down payment on your first home. But if your credit's messed up, you're not going to get that first home or you're going to pay way more in interest than somebody else. And that could be because somebody took your ID and they opened up credit accounts in your name and you have no idea what's going on. It's too easy to figure this out now, guys, with annualcreditreport.com and uh, other apps that are out there. So assess, improve, and monitor your credit. Making sure that if you do use credit cards for all your payments, like then making sure that the balance doesn't go over 50%. You're always constantly paying it down so you're using less than 50% of your credit. Um, always paying it down. Never let it go above that. That helps improve your credit score. So think about that. That could be one of your main goals is your credit score. Then also ensure your biggest asset. That's your ability to earn money. Disability insurance first, life insurance second. All right, going through the 15 things to do before you need to hire a financial advisor. I want to get people to build a good financial base before they start doing this speculation stuff. One of the things that I mentioned, number seven, is ensure your biggest asset. What does that mean? Well, your biggest asset for a younger person is your ability to earn money. If you just take the present value of your earnings potential for your entire working lifetime to age 65 to 70, that is a huge dollar amount. And you have to ensure that. I've seen way too many families go broke and go into poverty because a primary earner can't work. Uh, and and that's, that's rough. So, and it can be expensive. I figure it costs me about 2.5% to ensure my income so that if I couldn't work, I had enough tax-free income to replace my taxable income to protect my family. So nothing that, you know, the kids could still continue to go to college. You know, one three quarters of the way through, one going into college next year and two more to go after that. So I'll be working for a while. And I also have blown my knee out twice snowboarding. My ACL on my right leg, my MCL a couple years ago on my left. I'm still going strong doing that. And, you know, bulge to disc snowmobiling. I think I've ruined my right thumb by snowmobiling now too. So that's great. But you know, I've got a, a desk job and so I need to be able to, I can still sit and work, but if my arms aren't working, that's tough for me to type and things like that. So I've got disability insurance. That's primary. It's over and above 
life insurance. Everybody wants to buy life insurance because they can, oh, what if dad dies or what if mom dies? And it's very sad. It's very upsetting. It's very important to have life insurance, but you're more likely to spend a short period of time disabled than you are to die before your life expectancy. Now, disability insurance, hopefully you get it through your employer. If not, it can be expensive and at least get some of the styles that are out there. Like if you don't go full-blown disability income, look at things like Aflac, which you know, provide immediate cash if you like break a leg or things like that. So try to get some sort of disability insurance. This is why when you go self-employed, you have to really know what you're getting from your employer so that you, when you become self-employed, you can say, okay, I need to earn enough to pay the self-employment tax plus all my benefits. That's why a lot of times to go self-employed, you need to make 130% of what you're making now just to break even. A lot of it has to do with that disability insurance. Protect your loved ones. Buy term life insurance. Only the top 1% of the income earning population should ever use life insurance as an investment where there's cash value buildup. Most people buy term and invest the difference. Most of the time, everything else is a horrible idea. In a simple formula, if you don't know how much you should have in life insurance, 10 times your annual income plus 100 grand per kid, plus all outstanding debt. Easy formula. Go buy it. Select quote, term quote. I don't care who you buy it from. All the term insurance is pretty much the same. Uh, And oddly enough, with all of the people out there that are using recreational marijuana, a lot of the insurance companies don't care about that anymore. So keep that in mind. A lot of people are afraid to do that because of that situation. So 10 times your annual income plus 100 grand per kid plus all outstanding debt. That's an easy formula, no-brainer way to say, okay, I've got the proper amount of life insurance. And if you have a family and kids, at the very least, you got to get your state planning started. That's number nine. That's at least an advanced healthcare directive and a durable power of attorney. These documents spell out what your healthcare desires are if you're incapacitated. And then the power of attorney allows somebody that you trust to deal with your financial accounts without spending thousands and thousands of dollars on legal fees to become appointed guardian on your behalf. So State planning attorney is very important. There's also NOLO, there's, there's LegalZoom, but a lot of employers have discounted things that you can go you know, get some money from your employer to go get your estate plan done. At EP Wealth for our clients, we can do the investments, retirement planning, estate planning documents, and even the tax returns. We can do it all here. So you can find out more at chadburton.com. Uh, number 10, consider funding a Roth IRA for you and your spouse. That's, that's another step right there to build a base. This is money that will grow tax-free for the rest of your life. So we put enough money into the 401k to get the match. Then we go fund the Roth IRA on your own. And then if you still have money left to save over, you go to number 11 and then you go back and max out that 401k. Increase your contribution to your 401k to the maximum amount each year. And then some 401k plans allow you to make additional after-tax contributions that can be converted to the tax-free Roth 401k account. That's the mega Roth 401k. Those are the most popular flowcharts that we've been handing out to listeners is, can I fund a Roth? If not, can I fund a backdoor Roth IRA? And then what is a mega Roth 401k? It's a flowchart that helps you go through the steps to find out if your employer offers it. It's huge. Most most people can put in more than 19,500 into their 401k now for they need a financial advisor to open up an account for them. Max out that after-tax Roth contribution. So that's number 11. And then once you've done that, go beyond your retirement accounts. If you still have access cash flow after doing, you're maxing out your 401k, you're maxing out a Roth or a backdoor Roth. If you still have money left over to save, congratulations, you're not the majority of Americans. But if you do, just go 
open an account, Schwab, Fidelity. I'd say TD Ameritrade, but they've been purchased by Schwab. So I just go Schwab. And you can open up an account and you can buy ETFs. There's a whole list of ETFs that you can buy without trading costs. You can buy a good index-based ETF and have the dividends reinvested and just contribute on a monthly basis. You'd be surprised how fast it grows. Then use apps like Acorn, where it makes you, takes your purchases, it rounds that up. So if you spend $5.50 on a cup of coffee at Phil's, which is my addiction <laughs> when I'm in the Bay Area, um, it'll round that up. It'll charge an extra 50 cents out of your bank account and it'll invest that in a portfolio of, balance, of ETFs, large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging market. Kind of a no-brainer approach. And then you can set it up to do a monthly amount as well. And then number 13, once you, once you do that, once you say, okay, I've maxed out my 401k, I've maxed out my Roth, I've got it, my savings reserves, I've got at least a year saved up in index funds. So if I'm making 100 grand and I've got 100 grand in it, I don't care, index fund, whatever, SP 500, I don't care. Then that's when you can start accumulating other financial assets. Like you put down payments on a, a piece of property where you put 20, 30% down. And even after you pay all of your expenses, property taxes, maintenance, things like that. You have positive cash flow real estate. Boom. That's it. And then number 14 and 15, we're out of time. You're going to have to go email me for the download, chat at chadburton.com. It's also posted there. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Podcast can be found at chadburton.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.